nurses, sometimes we carry around badges of honor throughout our day. The, hey, I made it the whole time without going to the bathroom, or I didn't have lunch until right before it was time to leave. Like, it's a good thing. We wear our stamina like our calling card, and there's probably some reinforcing efforts in that. But at the end of the day, if I haven't taken care of myself, can I really take care of my patients? And can I really take care of the team surrounding me if I haven't? Today, we're joined by Samantha Connolly. We're going to learn more about how to take care of ourselves where we're taking care of those around us. Hi, and welcome to Nurse Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast where we discuss all things nursing, from patient care to advancing your career to navigating tough on-the-job issues. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Carol Pahatsky, Associate Chief Nursing Officer of Surgical Services Nursing. Our topic today is wellness, and if wellness were something that were easy to figure out, we probably wouldn't need a podcast, and we wouldn't need all the websites and all the programs and the 25-day challenges on Facebook pages and all of those things. And when it comes to being a nurse and wellness, certainly we know that there's nuances there as well. A bit of an ironic story to get our episode started underway. I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Samantha Connolly. She's a master's prepared nurse and the director of caregiver well-being at Cleveland Clinic, and this is our second attempt to record this episode. <laughs> yes. The first time around, Samantha wasn't feeling well. And here we are the second time around and I'm getting over influenza, <laughs> even though I was vaccinated. So wellness is a journey, <laughs> including getting here today. So Samantha, thank you so much for joining us. Thank today. you. Thank you for having me here. Of Excited course. we could do this. Absolutely. Yeah, finally, here we are. <laughs> so I would love to get started hearing a little bit about your professional journey. What took you from being a nurse to now this really exciting role as director of caregiver well-being? So I was actually not actively looking for it. I became a nurse because I had atrial septal defect. Oh my um, gosh. So I was inspired by my pediatric ICU nurses that took care of me. <sighs> so I was a critical care girl from day one. I worked at Hillcrest ICU. Mm-hmm. Um, I say I was born and raised there. They <laughs> took a chance on me. You know, when you have that famous speech in nursing school that you can't go into ICU. Um, oh yes. I yeah. am a testament to that that is false. <laughs> so I started there as a bedside nurse became the assistant nurse manager and then manager. I got a phone call from a number I didn't know about (laughs) this job posting, and they said, it's director of caregiver well-being, but hear me out, it's not critical care, it sounds like you. From being the manager of the COVID ICU, I, of course, Uh. saw how wellness and well-being was such an issue and a concern for not just nurses, but all caregivers. I found myself really having to advocate for all of the caregivers that were in my department that touch COVID patients. So when I got that phone Mm, call, I felt more of that pull of, this might be a time where I'm going to have to advocate more so for caregivers versus patients. And this role sounds interesting. So moral of the story, don't answer a phone number you don't know. (laughs) Or do, just be prepared. (laughs) Your journey segues a little bit. I was ready to be critical care all my life, but after COVID, this is kind of where my heart was being pulled. So happy to kind of advocate and help caregivers right now. So, And it's been a couple years for you in this role, right? It is. So I started August of 2021. Hmm. I was also pregnant. So oh, I decided okay. that it was right. a really good idea. You know, yeah, first baby, not? new yeah. job. Let's do it. COVID, all of the let's things. do all the above. <laughs> 
So I really jumped in head first. All right. So so you had to learn a little bit about your own balance and well-being yes. while transitioning mm-hmm. into a role about well-being. Yes. So what did you do to prepare yourself for that and educate yourself on options? So I would say that well-being was a part of my priority list as a leader before I was a formal leader, mm-hmm. um, even when I was an informal leader as a charge nurse. It's just something that I think nurses wear as a badge of honor of, I didn't go to the bathroom, I right? didn't eat, I haven't <laughs> slept, I picked up overtime. And we always promote that, but we don't promote what we're doing to keep it going. I think that was an issue before COVID, or I always say BC. Yes. <laughs> but I think COVID was lighter fluid to that. I think, unfortunately, there are still people in healthcare where they would like to say that this is because of COVID, mm-hmm. but I think they aren't willing or ready yet to recognize that these were issues that existed prior. So for me, it was always a priority before the pandemic. It became the number one priority during the pandemic because if my caregivers weren't okay, there's no way we could take care of the lives that we saw. So for the first time, my priorities really had the shift. I'm notoriously up at 4 a.m., so um, usually that's to work out. Wow. But during COVID, that shifted. I was really looking at what was happening in other countries. What were they doing to help these caregivers? Oh, okay. Um, what was happening with burnout? What were they finding that worked and didn't work? And really kind of bringing those things back to my team of what do we need? Even down to travel nurses, I didn't make the go-ahead of bringing them in. I said, we're not doing it until you guys are ready. Um, okay. So I made them a part of the decisions of what they wanted for their well-being and for the team. And I think that's the most important. I know nursing, we're big on shared governance. So all of those decisions, I wanted them to have every part of. It's a, it's a great point that well-being isn't just physical well-being and isn't even just the individual emotional well-being, but really how I function as a team and how the team functions. Mm-hmm. Certainly lots of conversation about bringing an agency last year, but really to get your team on board with that. What an interesting example of well-being from that perspective. Yes. We have previously recorded an episode about the image of nursing, and so your your comment about the badge of honor, not mm-hmm. having a break, not peeing, et cetera, yeah. that self-fulfilling prophecy that is that works against us in so many ways. It works against us in convincing other people that this really is a great profession because they say, but I like eating lunch mm-hmm. at a normal time and refueling my body and taking care of it. But also, it really creates this inverse reward that says I'm tough and I made it through versus a my body needed me to not be tough and make it through because I'm starving and I'm cranky and it's the end of my 12-hour shifts. Fascinating. So let's linger a little bit there, knowing that our audience is comprised of hopefully everybody from people even considering nursing school to folks who have been in the nursing career for quite some time. So representing all types of nursing, but we know that a lot of us either are currently or at some point in time have worked that 12-hour shift or have you know worked a long day, whatever that looks like for them. So some thoughts on how to take care of myself during that 12-hour shift. First, we'll talk about as an individual before we talk about as a team member? So for an individual, I would say if there's student nurses that are listening, start your best practices for yourself early on. We all know when we're in nursing school, you have the nurse that likes to sleep in. We have the nurse that's up early. We have the student nurse that comes in with monsters and coffees lining (laughs) their desk. Start those healthy habits early and consistency is key because as we all know, when you start doing something in small increments and the more you do it, the more you're consistent with it, the more it's going to be a part of your day-to-day culture. That would be my first recommendation for student nurses and as I call them, my baby birds usually. (laughs) And really, 
really kind of thinking or what are the things that you have to have foundationally that make you feel your best? So is it going Mm. for a walk? Is it time with your family? Is it, I just need to disconnect completely. Everyone is going to have that different. This is my must and making sure you're penciling that in for yourself. Because a lot of the times, especially we have our nursing schedule, whether it's school or we're actually working and we have that schedule, we have our spouses, we have our kids, we have Mm -hmm. our friends, we have anything else. And the first thing that we usually move on that calendar is something for ourselves. If you look at your week and you don't have at least 30 minutes for yourself, you need to be prioritizing that because that is the perfect catalyst for burnout. And that's for yourself as an individual. 30 minutes across Mm -hmm. a seven-day period is not too much, ladies and gentlemen of our our listening audience. You deserve at least 30 minutes of your week. Yes, absolutely. I usually (laughs) would start with that, and then I challenge them to kind of do it each day. My team from Hillcrest, if any of them are listening, I was notorious for saying, what'd you do for yourself this month? Mm. And usually it would be they're like halfway in the door and out the door (laughs) of my office. They're like, "Uh, I'm going to go shopping. I'm like, no, okay, what'd you buy? (laughs) I need proof. Literal receipts. I need literal receipts on that. Yes. Um, So I was notorious for that. And then sometimes at huddle, I would even say, instead of going through the huddle points of every module that was doing that, I'm like, say one fun thing that you did with someone and what's something you did for yourself this month. And that huddle would take the longest. (laughs) Well, good. And, and, you know, I know there's a lot out there about that accountability culture, too, mm-hmm. that goes along with it. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Accountability is key, especially you hit the nail on the head, like well-being, it isn't easy. Right. So you need that trusted partner, whether that's your spouse, a family member, a friend, a co-worker, because if it were easy, you would be able to do it yourself. So you have to find someone that you can trust to hold you accountable. Even something as little within a nursing unit of having that buddy to go to lunch. Mm -hmm. I know that we've heard of like, okay, let's self-schedule lunches. And we know that that can be challenging in different departments because you don't know when a patient's going to code or someone gets whisked off to OR. You can't plan for that. But knowing if you and I are starting at a shift, like I'm going to make sure you get a break and you're going to make sure I'm going to get one. Starting little like that. And I don't mean eating at the desk like you're not supposed to for joint (laughs) commission or being like, Patton's not here. Okay, I'm good. And like hiding your snacks. No, like physically taking a break. Even if you're not hungry, getting off the unit. Absolutely. It's huge. And and that goes back to that sort of that team well-being too. Mm-hmm. If I if I know that my team members care about my well-being and I care about theirs, then we're it would stand to figure we're going to be more effective team because we're invested in each other's well-being. Yes, absolutely. Any other tips for food choices or stretching or any of the things that really have been shown to help that long day? I'm going to be on my feet turning patients, running up and down a hallway all day. Good shoes are so important. <laughs> my team always made fun of me. They could hear my dance goes clomping around the corner. Oh, your dance always, go. Me too. Yes. All right. They always do. They're like, it's Sam. <laughs> like, yes. I was huge on compression stockings, especially when I was pregnant. And that it's so important. And hydration is key. I wear an eye watch and I set my reminder mm. so that it vibrates so that I know that I have to drink water. Of course, alarm fatigue. We know that exists in sure. nursing. So it's very yes. easy for that to come into <laughs> yeah. play. But if you really kind of look at how often it's going off, try to do it on a day off, you'll be surprised how little you're drinking. Like a lot of the times they're like, oh, I had one glass. Okay, now you're doing that every shift and every day that you're off. So think of how your kidneys are screaming. Yes, (laughs) one glass that happened to have coffee beans in it. Yes. (laughs) So those are huge. I would definitely say I know it's really easy to give in to when our lovely patients and their families bring us the cookies, (laughs) the cakes, and all that. It's okay to have a piece here and there. Like, go ahead, indulge. But just 
be mindful of that and how it's going to add up on you, especially if you're a rotator and rotating mm-hmm. back and forth and you have the caffeine, the sugar, the pizza and that. Um, I was big on snacks and healthier snacks. I'm a big proponent of meal prep. I think that's huge and that helps a lot. You make healthier choices that way and you can kind of do that with your accountability partner too or you can do healthy potlucks. We all know that the potlucks that have like the cheesy <laughs> potatoes and the buffalo dip and that. So how can you make a little bit healthier so that you and your team can kind of keep going? Well, and it's finding that balance of you can pack your lunch, but still leave the unit. Yes. You know, I think that was mm-hmm. honestly, when I think back to, to some of my days, some people intentionally didn't pack their lunch because it forced them to leave the unit to go on break, which which is in its own way a good thing. But if they're going off the unit and then making not the most fantastic decisions about what they put in their body, or I would get that point, I would, I would buy myself lunch and then feel sluggish versus, you know, I'll eat less or I'll have a protein shake and I can power through the rest of it instead of, you know, going down to the cafeteria, having a big heavy meal and then feeling worse than I did beforehand. Yes. And stretching, I know you said stretching, that's huge. I think body awareness, posture, especially you're, you're pushing patients, you're pulling patients, you're manually proning patients. Okay. There's not always enough room in some of the patient oh rooms gosh, or in an yeah. OR and ER yeah. bay. So you're not going to have the best body mechanics. So trying to have that awareness, kind of using your ergonomic resources that are available, but then also making sure that you're taking the time to stretch and to relax. Massage therapy, I am huge advocate sure. for. <laughs> I always like to say that one. I'm like, oh, I have to. It's for my, it's for, for my body. Well yes. And my husband's like, no, you already <laughs> went there. <laughs> so. Well, and, and I think, you know, that whole, unfortunately, sometimes we get into that martyr piece of it, right? Everybody's busy, but literally asking for help when it comes to physical items like boosting a patient or turning them, you know, they're going to feel better if there's enough hands in the room to help them feel supported while they're turning and you're not going to hurt yourself. And sometimes it does mean, unfortunately, saying to the patient, like, let me go get some friends. We're going to reposition you. I want to get some friends so we do it the right way. And then nobody's getting hurt. The patient feels good and nobody's throwing out their backs, yes. uh, helping somebody tip on their side. Definitely. And I think another huge thing is, especially for new caregivers and even seasoned caregivers, I know that there's staffing challenges. And so you look around for that friend and then you're like, okay, Uh I'm just going to do it. Mm -hmm. And now you hurt yourself. There's tons of equipment that's widely available to you. And you're probably like, oh, you're thinking in your head, I need to learn how to use that gate belt or how to use that board. If you don't know, ask and speaking up because it's at that point, it's not just for the patient's safety. It's also for you. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times we're kind of like, yeah, I can do that myself. I'm I'm super nurse. I got this. Yeah. This this patient, they could bend their knees and they can boost themselves. Nope. Nope. (laughs) So uh, we'll switch a little bit. So we've made it through our day. We yes. we hydrated and we had a nice, healthy lunch during the middle of our shift. And we went to the bathroom and it was great. But we worked three three twelves in a row and we've we've got a few days off. And our days, we'll sit, we'll pretend we're in the center. We're working days that week. Any tips for recovery, especially after a few shifts in a row? Nurses are going to hate me for this, <laughs> but that consistency piece of waking up the same time, ah. usually within that same hour. The more that you flip and the more that you're two days sleeping in, three days waking up early, it really throws your body out of whack. So that consistency as much as you can with drinking, eating, your sleep, any exercise that you do. I would really say try to keep, if you wake up at 
6 a.m. usually, try to by 7 a.m. in that hour. Same thing with going to bed. Of course, you know, weekends we have more of a social packed (laughs) calendar, so trying to do our best. But that consistency is key because the more you're flipping, not just in your work schedule, but also your personal life, it's Mm -hmm. going to exhaust you. Yep. So sometimes we have to flip, Mm -hmm. though, the the old day-night rotation uh, that many of us have lived through. So knowing that we physically have to transition our bodies back and forth, what what does science say about the best way to do that knowing that our bodies don't like that typically so i always especially i had rotators on my unit we did it was six week rotations i know that some other healthcare systems they do it a little bit sooner mm-hmm. than that mm-hmm. so it's really kind of knowing the unit that you're getting into in the department and what that can look like i also think it's important for a nurse to have a good relationship with their leader or whoever mm-hmm. makes the scheduling because there's some people they will make their schedule and you'll see it looks like five 12 hour shifts back to back one off and then flipping. That might be what works for them. I mean, if I saw that on paper, I'd be like, no, that's not going to work. But that might be what they like. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of advocated for those caregivers that were rotators that really have that realistic expectation. That doesn't mean you're going to get the schedule you want, but what works for you for how many on, how many off. They have to play around with it too. I've Mm -hmm. seen some caregivers, they're like, okay, I'm flipping from days to nights. I'm just going to stay up all night and then flip. More power to you. Some might need in your twenties that might work. In yeah. your thirties and forties, twenty-one was so. great. Thirty-two, not so <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah, <laughs> um, some they have to take that nap, wake up and eat. So really playing around with it, but not flipping it too much. I'm um, usually a lot of my caregivers that were new to rotating. They would try three weeks one way and three weeks the other way of mm. how they were sleeping in that, but figuring out the pattern that works for you and then consistently sticking with that. I think also again that accountability partner. If you and I are rotators and we know each other's rhythm and what works, that's kind of your person to go to for those switches and that. But I would definitely say having that realistic conversation with your leader or whoever is over the schedule, just so they can kind of keep that in mind because no one wants to assume what your normal schedule should be. So it's good to kind of know what works for them. And playing, like you said, playing around with it and mm-hmm. seeing what works for you. And no matter where you're working from, whatever healthcare system, 24-hour care of patients, but with a shared governance type approach, even in our, our listening audience, if you, if you aren't a magnet facility, you still, how can you voice and say, I'm fully embracing what it means to, to day and I rotate, but is there a way to create these bigger blocks of time so that I can adjust? accordingly. I was the person who volunteered for straight nights Mm -hmm. instead of rotating. (laughs) And um, when I came to an evening shift role in the PACU, my friends were like, look, you're a lot friendlier now that you don't work nights. (laughs) Just because I I fooled myself into thinking, you know, you're going to lose a day Mm -hmm. that day. And so you try to stay up or you do all these crazy things because you're going to go out with your friends and you're going to do these things. And I think that's the other thing you have to acknowledge is you're not really showing up. Yes. You know, I'm half half asleep, cranky, half sick to your stomach because your body is like, what time is it and what are you doing up right? Yes. And that's another huge thing, especially with rotating nights, even day shift, because I know that heavily falls on rotating nights, but it's all shifts. I think a lot of times we don't want to let people down as nurses we care. Right. It's okay to say no. So it's okay to say, I can't pick up that shift. It's okay to say, I can't make that birthday party on time. I'm going to be three hours late, or I'm not going to be able to make it this weekend. I think it's really having that self check-in with yourself of, am I giving too much? How am I feeling right now? It's okay to say no. I know that's a really hard concept for nurses. Sure. We've all struggled with it. I'm guilty too. But I think you need to have that balance for yourself and knowing, hey, I just worked 
night shift. I need the sleep. I can't go off of no sleep and go to this family function right, right now. Especially if I have to go back to work the next day. Yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. And and the last thing anybody wants is to have a problem getting back to work safely, getting home from work safely, mm-hmm. or have something happen to patient because we overestimate yes. our abilities. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, so here you are as a leader of the caregiver well-being office and formerly a leader of nurses. So what are some things that you wish you knew back in your bedside days um, that you do now? Back in my bedside days, I would say it would be that badge of honor. It definitely would be. <laughs> I remember working a stretch and TMI went to the bathroom, came out, and I was like, yes, they don't need CRRT, which for my <laughs> listeners is a type of dialysis. And the nephrologist is standing right there and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, and he's like, I, I think you need to go take care of yourself a little bit if you're yelling. <laughs> yeah, this is not to be and proud I was of. Like, <laughs> yes, I'm like, thank you. So it was in that moment I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm taking great care of my patients. You know, I'm an active team member here. But, you know, that's kind of a warning sign right there. Even though it was a joke and some sarcasm, like, that's kind of a red flag. Like, you know, why am I yelling that and so excited about that? <laughs> and so I need to drink more fluids. I need to take yes. care of myself because I'm not burned out yet, but I'm going to get there. I use a lot of car metaphors. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like your oil change, getting your car line and your tire rotation. If you don't get them, your car will keep going. But do you want to risk being on the side of the road? And then if you don't have Absolutely. AAA and that, your accountability right. partner. So it's putting those things in place to make sure that your car is efficiently running and it's safely running. So if I'm not doing those things like taking care of my physical, my mental, my emotional well-being, you know, I'm risking breaking down on the side of the road with no assistance. And remembering that it it is the long haul. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I made a little crack about the 25-day challenge group on Facebook. I'm in one of those. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really helped, especially when I was sick all last week. And so so it'd be easy to be like, ah, that's just it. Like, never mind. But no, it's, it's, you got to put the gas back in the car and get back on the road and know that there's people checking in on you saying, hey, I know you were sick last week. Come on back. Like, are are you going to come work out or what are you going to do for you? And hopefully what I did this calendar year with that group helped me get over what I had faster. So really it's, it's that long journey and, and setting up those, those gate points along the way to keep us honest with ourselves. Yes. I try and think what else I would suggest for bedside nurses that I wish I knew. It's, it's taking that moment. I think whether you are ready for lunch or whether you're ready for a break, if it's being offered to you, take it. <laughs> yep. Because one, we don't know what's coming in the door. Sure. Two, your team might be picking up on something on you. Like mm. you might've just been a part of a code or a rapid response, may not have even been your patient, right. but if someone's offering it to you, they might be picking up on something. And that's kind of a sign also because your team, it's a relationship. And so they can probably read you better than you really want them to. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so kind of take that breather and offer the same mm-hmm. for your team around you. I would say for leaders, especially when I was an A&M and nurse manager, it's setting healthy boundaries and Mm -hmm. trusting your team. I know that that one's kind of hard also. (laughs) I think COVID, it's it's a different beast. Again, it's a pandemic. There's no handbook for that. So we had to overstep. We had to push the envelope a little bit further. Sure. But some leaders that are listening, you know that you had boundary issues prior to COVID. I'm sorry to say. (laughs) So really kind of taking that self-assessment on yourself. Do you have to make that staffing call? Can you trust your charge nurses? Mm. Can you coach them after what they could do differently? Do you need to be on call 24 seven? 
when you watch a football game, you see the coach making calls and they might get frustrated on the sideline, but they never run on the field and grab the ball from the team and run it down. (laughs) I'm sure many of them want to, but you can't. You have to trust them. You might have some frustration or not agree with it in the moment, but what do they do after the game? They watch the tape back. They replay it. What can we do differently? So stop rushing the field and have those boundaries or you're going to be on call 24-7, pandemic or not, staffing challenges or not. That's right. (laughs) Excellent. Well, you've shared so many good things. We're going to spend just a few moments uh, to wrap it up in our little speed round. So this is a a chance for our listeners to get to know you as as a nurse and human being uh, above and beyond the expertise you shared with us. So you've been very gracious sharing your own well-being habits as well. But it's time to unwind. What's your go-to media? Do you like TV or podcasts or books? What's your jam? I would say books and TV. Books for a while was not enjoyable. It was all studying. So it was enjoyable for furthering my career, but nothing for fun until I would say the last year. And then I would say TV. My husband works six days a week. So we usually try to find something that we like together and watch that then. Very good. (laughs) And what brings you joy? Right now, my daughter, she is 16 months old. Oh, fun. I would say prior to her, it was honestly my team. And honestly, nursing, of course, given my history and being a patient, that's a part of me. So making a difference and seeing my team make a difference. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't thank you enough for sharing thank your wisdom you. with us. So happy. Thank you. As always, thanks so much for joining us for today's discussion. Don't miss out. Subscribe to hear new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, we want to hear from you. Do you have ideas for future podcasts or want to share your stories? Email us at nurseessentials at ccf.org. To learn more about nursing at Cleveland Clinic, please check us out at clevelandclinic.org slash nursing. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or legal advice. Consult your local state boards of nursing for any specific practice questions.